News, views, opinions, and attitudes. Attitudes. There's actually uh, intriguing talk. You know, they talk about the news. And you have to respect them for that. You're listening to Right On Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to Right On Radio. We have a good show for you today. It is going to be somewhat of an introductory show into, well, a developing topic, but it all ties in with everything that we have been teaching for the last year, uh, unveiling the plans of the enemy and giving you the strategic defense system, not only in your logic, but also in your spirit so that you will not fall for the lures of the enemy or his trappings because they are going to be great and you will be there to help others as well. Good day to you, Jesse. Yes, good day, Jeff. Yeah, I'm excited. We're starting to dive. You know, we've told people for a while now we're going to really start to dive in deep to some of these strategic manuals uh, that are presently, currently active. So today's kind of the start, the introductory course. So get out your notebooks, get out your pens, and you're probably going to want to mark this video and watch it several times. I think so. So Jesse, as a preface, I'm just going to read the back cover of the book. All right. Because I think this is very telling. And then, then we'll go through the series and we'll tell them what it is. But uh, this is really the subject for today. And it says, Mindstar, which is the name of the book by Michael Aquino, explores the mystery of the human soul, what it is, how it can be detected, and how it may creatively and productively activated. Included as a historical survey of mishap, misapprehensions, misuses, and outright rejections of the central, crucial, metaphysical core of human existence. The soul, or mind star, as redefined herein, is the key to individual conscious immortality. The author's companion books, Mind War Details Thought Architecture, uh, which is subject to natural and artificial manipulation, subconscious pattern, and conscious algorithmic thinking. Mindstar addresses the meta metaphysical conceptual thought, which is independent of such influence. Boy, that's a word salad. <laughs> <laughs> I think in short, he's saying... Do you want to know how to make the immortal stone? You are the immortal stone. We're just going to, you know, teach you how to reconstruct your mind, which then will teach you how to reconstruct your soul, which then will teach you how to have an outer body experience and lead you to enlightenment. <laughs> so, and, and we don't endorse any of these. <laughs> we just, do not. No. <laughs> But this Stay is what, away. you know, this is the form, you know, why we expose it is because that's part of what we do. You know, we expose the deeds that are done in the darkness. You know, our U.S. military is using witchcraft for some of these things. And, you know, this is a key manual that they've been using um, since about 2016. So we want to really, you know, dive into this. We want to understand 
you know, who are we facing and how can we impact, you know, even those who are involved in these things for the kingdom of Christ. And, and you know, that verse and, comes back to my mind that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. And that's what the Lord has given us is a demonstration of his power, not our own power. And so, you know, we want to bring that forward. And that um, is in 1 Corinthians 4.20. And, and what, what amazed me is how much scripture is quoted in, in this book in particular. Yeah, and, they use a lot of scripture and magic at the higher levels. So, And so, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with scripture. They use that because everything is by God's permission and they have to petition. Uh, and I just want to say a couple things before I'll get Jesse to do a, a really good intro uh, to the this series and what we're going to accomplish with this. Uh, the first thing is, Jesse and I have argued on air about this before. She says, get the books. I say, don't get the books. <laughs> I'm buying them <laughs> as part of my job, so you don't have to. Uh, I'm telling yeah. you, I think, I pray before I read these books because when you're dealing with knowledge, and, and actually there's quite a bit of hidden knowledge contained mm -hmm. in these books that most people wouldn't pick up, but you as the audience probably would because you've been under, you've been seeing how all this stuff ties together. And there's like a, an, an alluring thing with this because you're, let's face it, everyone likes to know secrets. Everyone likes to, uh, power is, is alluring. There's all kinds of things in it. Um, so I, I give a cautionary tale uh, to anyone who would uh, want to get these books. Uh, look, we just want to expose it. We don't want to do this yeah. stuff. We don't, we and, don't and need I, to learn it. <laughs> yeah, and I caution, you know, I'll give that caution. I'll second it. But, um, you know, with it, I think it's important for people to understand, which is why we're breaking it down so that you can understand what's in it. Uh, but there are things that you have to be aware of. You know, these are books that, you know, are literally used at highest levels of the occult on the outside of them. They have their engraved, sealed, uh, or we'll just say magic seals. So, you know, when you, if you buy the books, you really need to anoint them. You need to rebuke any spirits bound to them. Um, otherwise, you know, you're opening a huge access door in your home and in your life. So, um, you know, you do have to treat it um, as such, you know, because that's what's in it. So, um, you know, but if the Lord puts it on your heart that you need to get it for yourself, then by all means, you know, anoint, pray over it, rebuke, and ask the Lord for his guidance as you're reading through it, you know, cover, pray up before you open it. So. Yeah. And, and even just bring it into your home. And listen, I'm not one who's scared of objects or anything like that. Uh, my home is sanctified and, yeah. you know, anything that comes into my home, I'm trusting God on it. And, uh, you know, it's funny because the, the occult does so many things to, you know, with their little objects and the things that they use. And, and for us, we don't have to do any of that. We, yeah. we really, you know, I, I love, I love what, uh, Cisco said, uh, about a week ago, <laughs> repent, repent, worship pray, you know, right. uh, 
<laughs> like, like that's it. And, you know, and even for repentance, we don't have to go and scrub ourselves. We don't have to do all this stuff. God just accepts you because he knows your heart. And, yeah. and as I say, he knows all of your thoughts. So uh, if you knew how powerful your thoughts are, I keep repeating this, you would never want to have a negative thought again. And, and just speaking of that, Jesse, I don't want to digress and get off topic, but I'm breaking a habit after that uh, last show when we did that word magic thing. Oh, and everyone really? saying good morning to me now, I do not say it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I'm not mourning. <laughs> and, and, you know, are you awake? You know, are you out awake? Are you mourning? It's like all this stuff. So, uh, you know, good day to you is uh, probably the, the way that I'm going now with all this stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I might have to disagree about the morning thing just because it's spelled differently and I like the word. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, and, and listen, I'm just, I don't want to participate in any of the stuff that they have put out there. And listen, it's just part of reprogramming and I want to put out more um, and I don't want to sound new agey here, but, you know, the positive reinforcements, you know, um, may God bless you today. Like, that's a good greeting, <laughs> you know? Right. Or, I say, or, why let the devil have any foothold at all? Why let him dictate what we say or what we mean or interpret our meaning in a wrong way? You know, when I say good morning, it's right early it's a beautiful day and you know it's gonna be a good day so i'm gonna claim it and stick with it <laughs> you know so good morning jeff <laughs> and, and may god morning without a you the, the use on right on you.com not on morning <laughs> <laughs> all right jesse so let's get into just uh well, just give an overview of what Mind Wars is before we go into Mind Star, if you don't mind. Yeah, so Mind Wars got into really like, you know, kind of breaking down the difference between the way that they used to um, do programming to how it's done now. Um, in the old days up through, you know, the 80s, they you know, mind control was really done. It was trauma-based mind control, um, you know, was done by creating traumas that then caused the mind to split or disassociate. Um, and so, you know, as he goes into mind wars, he shows that, you know, starting in the eighties, he realized that there was a better way that, you know, that they could, appease to the ethics and the morality of a person and then the person would willingly consent to doing whatever it was that they wanted them to do so you know an example of that would be you know instead of um just forcing people to wear masks it comes with yeah. disclaimers Perfect. you know where it's like um you know, you want to protect your elderly neighbors, you want to keep others safe, you know, you don't want to be passing disease, so good people, you know, will wear masks. So that appeals to your ethics and your morality, 
And the majority of people, you know, especially like going into a hospital or your doctor's office, you're like, yeah, you know, I don't want to hurt somebody who's vulnerable or has a weakened immune system. So yes, you know, I'm going to be a good citizen. I'm going to wear a mask. Um, so in that they've gotten you to willingly comply. Um, and so, you know, they really get into that. Like, how do you uh, create this willing collective consciousness where everybody's making the same choices that go in the direction that they want their agenda to go in? And it's so effective. And I, you know, just want to point this out because when you listen to Justin Trudeau or Joe Biden talk, uh, their speeches are written right out of Mind Wars. <laughs> Let me just, yeah. Yeah. everything they say, you know, even the uh, the hokey pokey, you know, you don't love your neighbor if you don't do the hokey pokey. And, and what it accomplishes is people turn their mind off because mm -hmm. it just went to their bare morality. You know, no, I'm a good person. And it's so simple and effective. And to mock you or the population, they make it so insane that anyone who would think about it for two seconds, let me see, I walk into a restaurant, I have to wear a diaper on my face, but as soon as I sit down, I'm safe. Or they put in some cities, they put in the curfews at 10 p.m. because, you know, the, uh, the boogeyman only comes out after 10 p.m. You know, it's so ridiculous, but yet, and even where I live right now, uh, the, all the mandates ended on Monday. Okay. Uh, for, for the face diapers and stuff like that. 90% mm -hmm. of people are still wearing them. Yeah. Or, or to think that like, you know, outside, you know, where there's so much wind or things that you're at higher risk you know, because the wind blows or, you know, it's like it, it, when you logically think about it, diseases don't, you know, move that way. They don't uh, get connected to you that way. So, you know, even to be six feet apart, well, it, is that the bare minimum if somebody coughs that like, you're not going to breathe that air? You know, it's like, it's like six feet apart isn't going to do you any good. So all of it is just, you know, absolutely ridiculous when you really sit to think about it scientifically and logically. And that's the thing. They want to turn off that logical questioning aspect of your mind. They want you just to willingly comply without, without giving any kickback or feedback or without that questioning. And, and look at the slogan for the social distancing. We're alone together. Like, you got to be a moron to accept that premise, right? And and what's in the news now, uh, and I'm just, I am just don't want to digress, but to, to just show you the war that is on your mind right now, uh, that male swimmer who's winning the NCAAs or whatever, you're not allowed to say that he's a guy. Like that is really the social construct that they're doing. Same with this uh, this admiral uh, medical law. It's a dude, but yet you know they're, they're putting on in a magazine 
woman of the year. And you're supposed to go along with it because no, we're accepting, we're embracing, we're we're a loving society. Ladies well, and gentlemen. That's exactly what they did to me as a kid. You know, they define the narrative. And God forbid you go against the narrative. And you know, we need to start standing up and calling things as they are to say, no, we know scientifically what makes a woman a woman. We know scientifically what makes a man a man. And, you know, we're not going to stand by and, you know, be told that just because that individual wants to be a different, you know, sex that we have to call them by certain pronouns or certain names or, you know, and I'm not coming against, um, you know, I'll just say I'm not coming against individuals, but, you know, the reality is, is that they are controlling, you know, if we want to have equal rights, then technically, you know, they can say my preference is that you refer to me this way, but I have a choice. I can say, you know, no, like that makes me uncomfortable. And I also have to be taken into consideration. Like I don't have to rearrange my whole life, you know, just to make someone else, you know, live in the world comfortably while I have no comfort at all. Um, You can't make me lie. That's what they're asking you to do. They're asking you to become a liar and turn off all your logic. No, shut up and fall in line. That's and and I'm telling you. So we have to go against that. So that's kind of just an overview of mind wars. And uh, well, the truth, the truth, you know, girds the whole armor, spiritual armor together. And the enemy is in the business of stripping us of our spiritual armor. He's starting with that truth. Once that belt of truth goes, then next comes the, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation and the peace. And you know what? At the core of it, I want to be at peace with all men, uh, all women. So, you know, therefore I must stand firm in that truth. Everything depends on that. And and remember, Jesus Christ was the, and is the truth and the way. There is nothing else. And so trying to eradicate the truth is trying to eradicate Jesus, of course, yeah. on, a, on a much higher level. So, uh, no, we will not conform to that. And, you know, we got you got to really protect your mind when they're asking you to do these things. You got to start using your. Uh, common logic and basic deduction skills, and you have to ask questions about everything right now right. that they're throwing out at us. So let, let's uh, let's jump into Mindstar, Jesse, and uh, let's go directly to Egypt because yeah, it's interesting. So in this book, one of the first chapters, um, Aquino starts with you know, this concept of, of the temple, which is, you know, he's calling our body, but also our soul, the temple. And, um, you know, he really relates it to Egypt. And we have to ask, you know, if this book is about the construct of the soul, why is he bringing Egypt into all this? (laughs) You know, um, we have a God who, who made our bodies and our spirits and, you know, made our bodies to house our spirits. Um, 
but he kind of blends into this concept of the temple, you know, the narrative of Egypt. And he begins by talking about cultivation of wheat. So think about that, you know, as you're growing crops, um, the concept of cultivation, you know, is a process. You, you have to, you know, till the ground. You have to have good ground to plant that seed in. That seed has to be watered. It has to have nutrients and be nourished before it can grow. It has to have sunlight. Um, you know, there's all these things that are needed for that cultivation process. And if, if any of those are majorly lacking, what happens? That wheat dies. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, in this, he's kind of outlaying what are the things that are needed to give life to that soul? Now, mind you that this is a man who runs the temple of Set. You know, he believes that he's reached godhood. He's reached that full enlightenment. So they've got by with the bare minimum of things that are really needed for life, life of the soul. You know, and so that's what he's instructing in, you know, how do you keep that life or keep it alive? Um, and so he, go ahead. Yeah, immortality, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and actually, maybe we should even back up before Egypt and explain a little bit what he says about time. Because obviously time fits into immortality. Oh, yeah, I was get I was getting to that. I had that here a few minutes ahead, if you don't mind. No, no, that's um, fine. Yeah, so so with that, he talks about, you know, how the Egyptians sought perfectionism, and that's a key word, per, you know, perfectionism, instability, harmony, symmetry, geometry, and the cyclical concept of time. You know, that everything in their lives revolved around the seasons, the months, the years, the rotation of the sun. Um, so that was what they looked to, to kind of govern and rule. Um, so in the same way, you know, he's saying that for this, for our souls, that we also have to look for those same type of cycles in those different areas. And he, he'll define those as we get on here. Um, but he gets into that, you know, without this collective universal time, um, the whole universe struggles and, you know, it struggles with that death decomposition. Um, and it happens for each separate person in each separate thing that everything, you know, ordained by God has its time and also when its time here on earth is done. Um, and that perception of time is governed by fear. And, and what's the fear? The fear is, you know, death that and decomposition, um, not having that life. Um, so then he gets into you know, the concept of enlightenment. And it's interesting because, 
you know, he just quite frankly says that, you know, eternal life um, as exposed by, you know, the Jewish version of the promise uh, through Christ is a sham. Now, he never says why he believes it's a sham, but he just says outright it's a sham. Um, well, but Set and Horace are the answers. You know? <laughs> like, right, right. And he loops into that sham, you know, Christian, Muslim, and Jews. Uh, all of them believe in this version of the afterlife. And, and so he says all three are wrong. Um, and, you know, that they promise continuance of the same life after physical death. Um, which he says, you know, can't happen. That's what he believes. Um, so, you know, with that, I, I want to get into his view before and then revisit, remind me to revisit the sham, because uh, it really gets into an interesting discussion of, you know, pre what he presupposes in this argument. Um, you know, we got to remember that this is, to military people. This is not a research paper. It's not a theological document. Um, this is a military manual. So, you know, why is he bringing forward all of this stuff to military guys? Um, Immortal without faith. M mission accomplished. If I right. could just summarize it, that's kind of where I go. But just recapping a couple of things you said, uh, that, because I think it's important. Uh, you know, why go to Egypt? Well, first of all, uh, biblically, there's, you know, Egypt and Israel. <laughs> you know, it's, and and I'm not talking territorial. Uh, that's born again and not born again. Oh, that's, that's how I see it. Maybe you disagree, uh, but that's the way I see it. And then he goes to the wheat, but he doesn't mention the chaff. Mm -hmm. But... But what you described, and I just want to put some extra words to it. We want to start repeating some of the points that we do, Jesse, so people learn a little bit better. Right. But he's essentially discussing the alchemy of growing wheat. And he's comparing it, you know, getting into the soul. Am I, am I understating that, overstating it? No, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. And then when they get into time... It's because, again, it's immortal life without God. So, you know, it's deconstructing time. Now, one thing that comes to my mind as I go through this is because this is the second book, he's essentially building upon the concepts of the first book. Mm -hmm. And so he's essentially my perception is to the reader of this, and you're right, it's meant to be a military manual. And what more powerful army would it be than uh, someone who doesn't fear death uh, and accomplishes right. their purposes, temple of set uh, that you don't believe in Jesus Christ, right? That's a, that's a great soldier for them right. because you're, you're willing to commit atrocities if you don't have that moral bearing. That's right. Yeah. And, and they do. So I see this as him building on the mind wars and actually convincing the person in the second book 
that you have this inside of you and you can become this immortal soul and, you know, achieve, you know, and he, he basically describes what, you know, the Christian uh, afterlife belief is and that, you know, we essentially uh, get reunited with a new body and back to kind of, you know, uh, our godly form. He diffuses that and he's putting forth an alternative uh, approach here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we see that more and more as he comes out here is that he's, you know, really getting into the depths of Solomonic magic in this, um, even some forms of Enochian, but most of it is based off Solomon. Um, you know, he starts to get into that perception of time. And, you know, what's his purpose in that is that, you know, we've been taught to kind of regulate ourselves based on that perception of time. And he's saying at a quantum level, um, you know, that that time doesn't exist for the soul. There is no life. There is no death. There's no, you know, minutes, no seconds. You know, the soul is not regulated by time. And, uh, you know, when we break down, you know, what is magic? It's that knowledge that, you know, at a quantum level, you're entangling with something, you're getting to know and understand it at its deepest level. So, you know, they, they check God out the window and, you know, go to, you know, what are they exploring at that quantum level? They're exploring souls. Um, and so, you know, his magic has now gone from, you know, the physical plane where you may be using others' physical bodies through sex magic or animals or, you know, elemental things to now he's talking about, you know, connecting to others at that soul level. And it may even be without their consent. So, um, so, you know, he's got this view that everything works like a machine. And when you have broken pieces, you replace it. Well, you know, I, I guess that comment there, you know, we're not talking necessarily about, you know, the physical body, the nose not working or the, you know, an arm that's broken he's talking about souls. What happens when souls are not working like they want them to, to work? Um, you know, so he's talking about this, trying to put it into perception, like how do you, um, you know, get this machine that's a collective machine operating uh, universally the way it's supposed to when you don't have all of the souls reacting or interacting the way that you want them to. And he says the solution and remedy do exist universally. So, you know, we've, we've started to talk about the Solomonic universal key that, you know, God gave this universal key that explains how everything works together in our physical and spiritual bodies 
as one. And that was really the knowledge and the wisdom that Solomon in his annuals passed down um, to those who are keepers of that knowledge. But with that, you know, he, he makes a huge, huge presupposition. And that presupposition is that God put into motion this universal law and key that he gave to Solomon. And he presupposes that God does not override that universal law. And so that could also be called natural law as right. well. It could be. So in this, you know, really there's a challenge against, you know, God's sovereignty uh, that these witches and warlocks at the highest level are taught that, you know, they're taught that if you just go along with that universal law, that things are going to happen, you're going to get things manifested, you know, things are going to go your way, however you dictate it to go. And really, it's a direct assault on God's sovereignty, because they presuppose that God put it in motion, and then steps back, and he just lets everything go, as he ordained it to go. But you know, scripture tells us that God is more intimate than that and that he does desire that intimacy on a daily basis with us, that he desires, you know, us to allow him to be Lord over every area in our lives. And so, you know, really it's, it's pushing that concept of, you know, the sovereignty of God in our lives. But, you know, they can't sell a lie without some truth in it. And, you know, God does not contradict himself. God does not. Right. Uh, he does put certain things in motion and he abides by them. And that's why I've always, you know, called the uh, the enemy the ultimate lawyer. Because, mm -hmm. you know, he uses these things and perverts them and, you know, gets permission. And he uses our free will and things like that to get the permission. Uh, you know, by deception, look, you know, just like I always say, you know, if someone's at a uh, Beyonce concert and they're getting this, you know, ritual done in front of them or Lady Gaga or whoever you want to call, listen, they paid $200 for that ticket. And there's 30,000 of them showed up. They want this. They don't want you. And, and he has a point and God says, okay. Yeah. Maybe not all the time. You know, I think Maybe that's part of it. You know, they, they show up, you know, I, I guess I see it, you know, with that knowledge, with that intimacy of knowing, it's like they enter into a marriage, you know, they're a good wife, they do everything that a wife is supposed to do, they do all the duties, have everything, you know, prepared, take care of the home, take care of the kids, you know, make sure the spouse has everything he needs, but where they lack is that there really is no knowing intimately. Um, you know, I think back to that verse where, That's really you know, good. Jesus says, many will say, Lord, Lord. And on that day, he'll say to them, I never I knew you. you. Yeah. I don't know you because they refuse to enter into that most intimate place with God. So they follow all those universal laws and rules, which God put in place but they do not enter into that intimate relationship with the Lord. 
and you know what's there's nothing more intimate than inviting his spirit inside of you you know right. there's nothing more intimate and you know i guess you know when in in the physical uh, when a man and a woman are married the, the flesh become one uh, but you know we are the bride of Christ and we become one. And it's, you know, that's that thing, that spirit coming into us. And just speaking of which, because in, you know, he doesn't say it in this book and I'm, I'm just reading between the lines, trying to figure this stuff out, Jesse. But to me, when he's talking about the soul here and where he's really going, uh, this is my perception is he's going towards inviting something in. <laughs> Am I wrong? I think the something was already there, you know, and the something is speaking out. Please explain that. Well, he runs the I'm temple. Really of... Attaching to a spirit, right? That's yeah, yeah. He runs the temple of Set. So, who's one of the highest Egyptian gods in their culture? Set. So that's who I think is dictating a lot of this conversation. Who was the ruler of the armies of Egypt? set you know what was Aquino's position you know he's strategically governing armies with these manuals so I think that you know this information really is knowledge that he's gleaned from his entanglement with the spirit yeah so it's the yeah but for for the person to have that the illusion of that immortal soul well I guess your soul is immortal anyways it just depends. It does it go up or does it go down figuratively? Right. But but I think what he's trying to to do is to replicate that glory, and the way to do that is to attach to a small G God. Right. And that gets into you know, you know, one of the greatest truths of all times is that you know he kind of sees that you know, there's a separation and he'll even say in parts of his book that the physical body is nothing. Um, you know, so he gets to that point where higher enlightenment is just of the soul and the mind, um, you know, the mind being part of that soul and the physical body is discarded. It, it's not needed. Um, you know, but what does scripture tell us? It tells us that there's a process the Lord has made and that it's not like anything that we've ever experienced or known. You know, we've known death, you know, we see um, when things die that that physical body, you know, turns back into dust and is no more. But I always like to, you know, as I'm explaining this concept, I like to bring in the butterfly. Um, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, at age five, they brought in the monarch butterflies and, you know, we had them in their little cages with sticks and they hung upside down and formed a chrysalis, you know, and then turned into these beautiful butterflies. Now, I expected that every single butterfly, the same thing would happen. And I was very, very mistaken. I was very confused. <laughs> um you know, I, I decided to go out and get caterpillars with my kids and was like, you know, this is going to be fun. We're going to have butterflies. And, you know, we had the sticks in there and they crawled up and hung upside down. And then these caterpillars that we had got, their bodies literally like shriveled up and turned black and their heads fell off. 
Like I literally was looking at their heads on the bottom of the thing. And I was like, I think we did something wrong. I don't know what we did wrong, but we did something wrong, you know, and I was going to throw them away. And my daughter was like, no, mom, you said it takes six to eight weeks. And, and so it was like, okay, well, as long as they don't mold, you know, we'll see what happens. And I was shocked the day that beautiful blue butterflies came out of those shriveled up black bodies. And, you know, I'm sitting there looking at the heads that fell off and it was like knowing that it's not a different creature. It, it's not, you know, something new. It, it literally was something transformed yeah, that the Lord transformed it, that physical and spiritual body together. And, you know, that's what happens that when we die with Christ, we're raised to new life. And it's not after we die. It happens the moment we believe. Yes. So in this body right now, if we have believed, we are new in Christ and we have that transformed body that, you know, what does he say? You know, if you, or what is, I'm trying to remember the verse out of John, but it says, um, you know, if I have died with, or no, let me think how it goes. It's so powerful, but it's that concept that if you believe, you know, you never will die. And that that new life is here and now. Um, it's in John 11. Maybe let me see. If, I'll let you talk for a second. I'll see if I can pull it up here. Well, I, I just, you know, I just summarize it by saying, you know, e eternity starts today. As soon as you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and ask for his spirit to come into you, eternity has started for you. Your new eternity, I should say, uh, because, you know, we, because Adam fell when Jesus came. And by the way, Jesus wasn't surprised by Adam fall, falling, you know, that wasn't a, uh, a mistake. Uh, we have to know the difference between good and evil. So we're not forced to love God. He wants us to choose and, yeah. you know, but when Jesus died on the cross, he is the very first God man. He is the first of a new creation, a new Adam for say. And, you know, that's so as soon as you say, okay, Lord, come into me. That is when your eternity with him begins. Yeah. And so I, I love this verse because it's in that passage in John 11 where Jesus has is about to raise Lazarus from the dead and he's struggling with Mary and Martha, you know, who both are saying, you know, Lord, if only you were here. And even Martha says, you know, I know, Lord, that, you know, that he will have eternal life. Like, you know, he'll have life after this death with you. Um but then Jesus says, you know, your brother will rise again. And she says, yes, you know, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection on the last day, speaking about after this life. But then Jesus says to her, he said in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives Believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And, you know, he brought it into 
the physical world that, you know, that belief starts here and yeah. that transformation starts here. And um, so, you know, it goes to kind of, you know, what's the purpose of Aquino starting to really look at Egypt and at the soul, um, you know, he wants to create this space where people are on different playing fields, you know, where you're not just on the physical field, you're on these different spiritual dimensions, your, your soul is connecting in these different uh, dimensions. And, you know, he starts to talk about how those fields, which he calls achievements, um, are arenas where our soul can excel. And, um, you know, that how are those arenas governed? They're governed, you know, by the government, judicial, political um, areas, and that, you know, he even sets up that justice is distributed by visors or ambassadors, you know, in those regions. And so, you know, it begins to show how they set up this playing fields for the soul, that they're going to create these fields. They're going to have a priest, not a godly priest, but they're going to have a priest who dictates over regions that's in charge of these souls. And, uh, you know, that they will set up the same constructs of time, things that he calls are timeless within these fields. So every soul, you know, is going to be cultivated through astrology, mathematics, medicine, architecture, religion, and art. Um, you know, so he's got seven of those constructs and, uh, you know, every individual born into the system is to participate within their field in these constructs. So think about even the education system. We, we see it prevalent in there. What are the main subjects that every child starting in elementary has to study? He's just named them, you know, yeah. uh, besides astrology, but they would put that under science, you know. Um, science and math sociology would be the other that they would use instead of architecture social social studies and arch, uh, um, you know they put it under economic type things so you know he he says that these are the immovable constructs for beginning to cultivate the soul um, so we're seeing it even in our education processes that it's already in place. Um, is it in place in the military? That's yeah. a good question, you know. Well, you know, when you when you give the examples about, uh, you know, they don't care about the body anymore and stuff like that. I think about that episode when we did with the, uh, you know, all the heads in the jars and stuff like that. Like that's really what these people are doing. It's just the consciousness you need, you know, and yeah. like it's, it's twisted. 
ladies and gentlemen. It's absolutely twisted, but uh, this is what they believe. And listen, there's, uh, as I say, they put some truth in it. And, you know, he even starts out the particular chapter about uh, describing, you know, Egypt as being in two constructs, the academia uh, people mm -hmm. and then the magicians, essentially, right? You yeah. know, and uh, and he gives kind of both. And, you know, I think he's making a case more towards the magic uh, personally, but he's certainly giving credit to uh, following the seasons and, you know, putting the elementals in and, you know, he's blending them all together. And uh, it's, it's a, listen, this is, this is what they're doing, ladies and gentlemen, and where it's going is that great deception um, of the collective consciousness. The ascended masters are going to come down in some freaking UFO or something, Jesse, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like th this is where it's all going, and and it's a battle for your mind, and the illusion is going to be great, and that's what it is. It's an illusion. Everything that God has, they want to put together a flip side of it, mm -hmm. and and this is essentially they're putting the mathematics on how to do it in this trilogy of books. Yeah, like, yeah, there. It's 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 like concept by concept, and. It's one of those things that you can, again, if, if I was to read this two years ago, I would say it's like an investigative journalist book. Mm -hmm. But now I'm reading it and I'm going, whoa, what's he doing here? And why is he introducing this? And it literally is a manual. Yeah. Yeah. He's teaching uh, Solomonic magic at the highest levels, strong necromancy, divination. Um, at the highest levels. Oh yeah, I wanted to put that in because it is the necromancy and stuff like that is in here too. Which, and and it, here's a point I wanted to make as well, because just like you know we have the Holy Spirit, the enemy has his fake Holy Spirit. And look, it's it's hard to clearly define that, but one of the things is is we can experience the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are real. God right. promises them. They're in the Bible. They're real. But the enemy copies them. Mm -hmm. And the one way I would get you to, at least this is the opinion I've come to, Jesse, when I'm looking at the two is one is experiential. You're experiencing it more and not paying attention to the word as much. Yeah. The other one is you're paying attention to the word and then experiencing it. Yep, exactly. You know, when I I often say, because I feel it when I read my Bible, I feel it, it just, it's washing me. I'm experiencing the Holy Spirit re reading the Bible. But, you know, a lot of people will go to a worship experience, you might say. And, you know, a lot of stuff about Bethel and Hillsong are obviously coming out now. And they actually claim to have worship experiences. It's right. not let's worship God. It's not become intimate with God. It's like let's to come together and have a worship experience. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear those words and I and I look at those types of places, I think, okay, man, I, I got caution up. I'm not saying it's all bad because I don't know. Every 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 person, everyone is different. And only God knows. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah, we, you know, it's through all this, we keep just emphasizing that we have to keep, you know, be in scripture and we have to keep our minds and hearts set on the Lord. It's, it's so goal. easy to be deceived through this stuff, you know, and if we don't know what's going on, you know, we, what does scripture say? Unless those times were cut short, you know, even the elect would fall away. So that's why we bring it forward because these, you know, master magicians, you know, are so good, such fine liners, you know, even to the point of using scripture, um, in a way that when we hear it, we think that they're talking about God and we're supporting them. And yet they're literally using scripture to put spells, hexes and curses on us. Um, You know, so we really need to sharpen up. You cannot spot a counterfeit unless you study the real thing. You never study the counterfeit, you study the real thing. And then when a counterfeit comes along, you'll know it's not the real thing. It's as simple as that, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, this is the deception is going to be so grand. It's so complicated. And, And by the way, it's custom made for every single personality type out there. Uh, they've got a deception for you and, and they're ramping up it. And, you know, right now, uh, this war that we're in is really the battle for the mind. And that's why we are covering this. The battle for the mind and the soul. Yeah. And the soul, but you know, if they get your mind first, that's why these books are sequential. (laughs) Right. And then, and then, and then the third one goes into the future. So, yep. you know, what can we say? Anyways, Jesse, great show. Um, we should do a My Liberty Stand commercial. We should. But we'll encourage people, you know, today if you're out there, you, you know, we really encourage a lot of the stewardship. Uh, so, you know, Consider looking at mylibertystand.com. Stop giving your money and dollars to the corporation and the system. There's some things you can't help, you know, but you can only get one or two places, but everything else you can divert your money and yeah. uh, goes to a good place. Yeah, and, and with superior products. And uh, and you work with us. And by the way, that helps support Jesse and I. Uh, plus, you're supporting American and Canadian jobs. It is for North America only for now, but uh, might even have the international stuff opened up by as early as next week. Uh, because I know there's a lot of people in Australia, UK, and Singapore. That's who right. Singapore is going to be joining in. Interested. So, and we do have the ability. It's just paperwork and and making sure that we set up people for success. Uh, but uh, we're working on it. So. Hey, listen, if you haven't done it yet, and, and by the way, if you have, and for some reason you haven't been contacted, sometimes there's a glitch. We don't know what it is, technology. Uh, if that is you, send me an email at rightonjeff at gmail.com, and we'll make sure things are taken care of. And by the way, if you have been contacted, uh, please keep your appointment. Uh, you know, these people, are they're just regular people. They're not salespeople yeah. or anything like that. Honor the appointment. It takes 15 to 20 minutes and uh, and they really provide a good service for you. So go to mylibertystand.com. Jesse, um, are we going to do a show tomorrow? 
tomorrow, Friday. Um, let me think. No, not I can later tomorrow, but I've got an appointment at 11. Uh, okay. So maybe a show tomorrow. Maybe I'll just do one solo or or we'll figure it out. Uh, yeah. Maybe a show tomorrow. Uh, maybe a show Saturday. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. I I could be free for that. Maybe we'll On do a Saturday? Saturday a Saturday fun day. That'd be fun. Okay, so I I made a scheduling error and I've tried to cover my grounds, but uh, the Saturday night sermon may or may not happen this Saturday, and it's my fault. Um, oh well, I say we get on then Saturday and make you talk about scripture, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that is a possibility, I suppose, but I'm also hoping that uh, someone is going to come through. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Uh, but there will be Singapore prayer celebration on Saturday night as well on our Telegram channel at 8 p.m. That is the Right on Radio Telegram channel. A lot of people think because we have a prayers channel, it's hosted on there. It is not hosted on there. It's on the one that just says Right on Radio. Uh, also, we will be back on Sunday morning live for Acts chapter 10. Yeah, Acts is getting really good, huh? Yeah, it is. I can't wait till chapter 16, actually. <laughs> Every week I say this is my favorite chapter. It's ridiculous. Uh, I'm losing credibility by saying that, but I just enjoy it so much. Yeah, it's a great book. Well, very yeah. good. All well, right. join us this week, this week for these events, and uh, we'll see you around. All right. And remember... Love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.